Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go, flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio, love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever but I'm down for the minute so just chill, wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go, flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio, love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever but I'm down for the minute so just chill. Good morning, Izzy Kempe, Rick Dog, SCNZ for breakfast. Hope you had a good weekend. That's right, we're all back together. The Bionic Man is back. How you <laughs> doing, lads? Morena Vayes, the Bionic Man with his, uh, his oh, geez, bit of metal in that leg these days now, eh? Uh, how's it feeling anyway? You got, uh, got yourself back in your bed and legs up. How's it all going? It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's starting to to get better, but um, you know, I've been on on some pretty heavy meds, and I guess once they wear off, and I'm I'm trying to just do it normally, you probably feel a little better. But look, I'm I'm good. I'm just it's just frustrated, really. <laughs> I just want to be able to get up and do things and poss around. I've just been stuck to the couch, which is not a bad thing. I do feel for my darling wife. She's doing lots and lots here at the house, but um. Yeah, I'm glad I got it done. I'm glad I got it done. But hey, but normality to get back into, boys. Back with you on the airways, and uh, looking forward to ripping into a big weekend of sport, particularly today, a big Monday. Big Monday, and we've got uh, Matt Reed out of the EPL coming up after seven o'clock. He's talking about the last day of Premiership, and we saw some results go the way of a couple of teams. So we'll catch up with him. Netball with cares out of seven forty because last night the Pulse unfortunately couldn't get the job done, and uh, a big Auckland derby coming up in the final this weekend. Hall of Famer Todd Blackadder 
Is that what they call them down there in the Red and Black Nation? The Hall of Famers? Uh, there's a number of them named, but Todd Blackhead will be joining us after 8 o'clock, so congratulations to him. And Monty Beetham will be coming on later on in the show as well to talk about you know, the weekend that just didn't end the way that we wanted it to down in the Hawks Bay. The Warriors versus the Broncos being pinged right in that last play of the game uh, to get us home. And Paulie Mawadi, Smithy, because he dags back on, of course, off the back fence. Lots of lots on, mate. And they weren't even talking about the basketball that was on yesterday. How how good oh, was that? Couldn't believe it, Ricardo. I could not believe it. Oh, White, who did the inbound, hustled. I can't for the love of me understand how he got him player. You got to protect the rim. You got to get those rebounds. You got to get in there and be hungry. And wow, the Celtics are hungry. And the first team. 150 and 0 to come back from three down to win it. I think it's going to happen at Boston at the Garden. It's oh. got that feeling of inevitability about it now, doesn't it? The uh, the, the Celtics mm. got the have got the roll on, and I mean, if you're the Heat, you're just going to be looking at it, going, "How have we stuffed this up?" Yeah, <sighs> oh, it was a good game to watch that that uh, that follow up rebound and the way the clock. Do you know that the when the when they went. Uh, to the sideline to throw the ball, to get the in ball back in. It was 2.1 seconds on the clock, and they switched it up to three seconds. I don't know whether they added that 0.9 of a second back on for a reason. umpire. <laughs> but it was, mate. If you go back and watch the replay, when the when that that um, that third three throw went in, there was only 2.1 seconds left on the clock. And of course, when he let, released it in his hands, uh, Derek White scored that rebound. Mm. Mate, there was 0.1 second left on the clock, so they got 0.9 of a second back, and it was enough to get the job done for the Celtics. I think they do it in Boston as well. The green machine. I think so. I think so. Oh, I do think so. But anyway, their basketball is well and truly flying. I think we rip into your, your can't wait question, shall we, Rector? I reckon we do. Can't wait question of the day. As disappointing as it was that the Warriors couldn't get up in the Hawks Bay, I reckon the biggest disappointment was all those clowns in the last 10, 15 minutes running on the pitch and messing things up. Not only, you know, one every now and then is funny, but on and on and on again is not funny. And as Jamie Wall put it, unless you got your out, you're not really a streaky, you're just an idiot. Um, So, yeah, I mean... And and then disappointing to find out that those guys got a slap on the wrist and let go. I mean, we need to have, um, surely we need to have harsher measures in place for uh, those kind of transgressions. Because Paul Gallon's come out and said, look, if you don't don't view the NRL, you're not taking a game back to Napier because you can't trust the crowd to behave. And that's the kind of, um, you know, thing that'll that'll hurt the the majority just for a few being being pillocked. So what would you like to see? What sort of punishment would you like to see handed down to streakers at sporting events? That is our can't wait question of the day. Izzy, I know it's it, it's your hometown and uh, probably if you were about 16, 17, you had a couple of lagers in you, you might have given it a go back in the day, but what, what's your take? Yeah, thought about it plenty of times, but then the repercussion was, well, two grand fine. You get a ban from the stadium. Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking about that as a 16, 17-year-old, you're like, well, I don't really have two grand, so I don't really want that. And look, I'd love to play here one day, and I don't want that kind of biting me in the bum. So no, I didn't do it. I just, I can understand like, people get intoxicated, they get encouraged from other pundits to go out there and do it. But on the flip side, 
like that that changed the game. You could hear it in Tohu's voice. That's his home. He would have had so much uh, sway trying to take the Warriors back to his hometown, to his marae, to his people, and, and showcasing what um, Hawks Bay Nautika Hununu is about. And for him, they've let like they've just really painted the picture that the NRL can't do this anymore, and that could have cost them. You think of big moments and big games when a person runs on the field. And then there's a big uh, a person there, and they've just about to score a match-winning try, and they can't now because they've got to stop the game and go back. This could have a repercussion of, of really costing teams uh, the opportunity. So, look, I wasn't I wasn't proud of it. I'm from the Bay, and I couldn't believe what I was mm. what I was like hearing. And, and and the worst thing about it was the the people in the stand. Look, I know I might be a bit of a Karen here. I'm sorry about that, but people in the stand started cheering them on. I'm like, come on, man. Get them off. I want to watch some league. I want to watch these Warriors nearly fight back and, and win it from nothing. Yeah. And it's it, look, there's a there's a number of issues here. The first one that Paul Gallon and yourself and you know a number of other mm. pundits, Ken, even Kenny Laban came out and said, you know, you expect the NRL to bring games here. There's no way in the world they're going to bring them back. So that's the first mm. point. Like the NRL will be seriously considering banning any other games coming to New Zealand. The other, the other yeah. part of it um, for me are the big moments of the game. I could have tell you if, if Adam Pompey didn't touch the jersey and they score, Kevin Walters' um, presser would have been all about the, the people that ran on the pitch and took the momentum of the game away. And in the end, the crowd started booing them. Like I don't know how many of these guys actually have anything to do with rugby league that get on the pitch. I think, you know, in the end, there was three women that run on. Apparently there was another hundred of them around the fences wanting to jump over. It, it has absolutely got to the stage um, where there is there, there must be no consequences because everyone's feeling so confident to do it. I reckon, I reckon you've got to really throw the book at, at behaviour like that. You know, you, if anyone comes in, mate, just... Find the big find, Kempi. Find the bugger out of them. You know what I mean. Yeah. Just make 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 them pay and dis and discourage them from doing it. And the big thing from from the people that go to the game, I didn't one. I went to commentate and watch a real good game of footy. I didn't go to watch them pork chops run around. Yeah, seriously, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's what we want to hear from you. What do you think the punishment should be for streakers invading? Well, not only pitch invaders invading games during games like what we saw. They're in not the streakers. Day. No, they're not. You're right. Pitch invaders. Attention sinkers. Attention. Yeah, exactly. What should that punishment be? Let us know. Double eight double three is the temper in bedpost text machine or 0800 Give us your thoughts and you could win a Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack valued at $200. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss. Give us a call now, though. For Quizzy Dag, it is that time. 0800 A $50 TAB bonus bet could be all yours. We're 18 away from seven. Kickstart your weight management goals with the OptiSlim range from Chemist Warehouse starting from $18.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. This is how you do it. Quizzy that come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that come play it. Quiz is on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. 
Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Oh, wee, the text machine is running hot. We'll get to a couple of those shortly, but it's time for Quizzy Dag. If you get a little bit stuck, that's okay. Kempi, the Oracle, will help you out. We're going to head to Dunedin. We've got Luke on the line. Morning, Luke. Morning, uh, Daggy. How are you, mate? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Good to be back on the airways. Happy you had a good weekend, mate. Question number one. Which Warriors player scored two tries v the Broncos on the weekend? Uh... Watani Zelezniak, player of the match for me in terms of the Warriors. He was outstanding, I thought. Busy as anything. Question number two. Who did the All Blacks beat in the 2003 Rugby World Cup quarterfinal? Oh. We'll have a clue on that one. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, one of the best players the world's laid up in bed at the moment. Uh, I'll just pick Australia. Australia's incorrect. Who's the best player in the world from Australia? I'd love to know that one, Luke. Anyway, <laughs> see you later, mate. Have a good one. Simon from Auckland. Morning, Simon. How you going? Good, thank you. Heard the All Blacks beat in the 2003 Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. I was South Africa is correct. Did you get, did you get a little... Anything on Kempi's clue? See you, Khaleesi. Done his knee. Anyway, question number yeah. three. Harry Kane has become the first player to score 30 or more goals in two separate EPL seasons, but hasn't won the Golden Boot in either. Erling Haaland denied him this season. Who won it the other time? Um, was it Mo Salah? Oh, good get. Yeah, great. Mohamed Salah. Correct. Question number three. Four, sorry. How much time was left on the clock when the Celtics hit the winning shot in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, it was... Was it point... One? <laughs> Gee, Simon, you're on a heater. You're on a heater. Which team scored the most points in Super Rugby Pacific this weekend? Five, four, three, two, one. Was it the Drua? Drua. Sorry, my friend. Have a good day. Wow. He's very good at the moment, Simon. Can't beat him. But anyway, John. John from Masterton. (laughs) Boys. Well, Johnny, we're going to get you paid today. I need this pop-up after the weekend. Okay, okay. Which team scored the most points in Super Rugby Pacific this weekend? You have a clue. Oh, yeah, Uncle, what's the clue, please? Uh, Great restaurants. Great restaurants. (laughs) Food's outstanding. Outstanding. Is it... um, And shopping. Oh, and shopping. Mm-hmm. Outstanding, outstanding. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to Um, I'll go, let's go to the Blues, but it's not, it's not oh. <laughs> It's not the Blues, brother. It's not the Blues. Sorry
Have a good day, All John. Good. Oh, so I hope you're not good top you up, bro, because I had a tough weekend too. Richie from Upper Hutt. Hey, Izzy. Hey, um, hey. Just one question of the day. Taser them. Yeah. Taser them. Taser them. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jeez. Richard, and we'll go to Richie, the right? <laughs> <laughs> the ripples is <laughs> Wow. Taser them, he reckons. Oof. Okay. Love that one, Richie. I know you're, you're upset from the weekend, but you'll be right, mate. You might just sneak into the playoffs, okay? Have a good day. Cheers. <laughs> Chemist Warehouse and find Colgate Plaques mouthwash 500ml assorted variants for only $7.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's three minutes away from 7 o'clock. 0800 811. You can call in any time you want. Find a thoroughbred race state events. Dot racing, uh, love racing, dot NZ. And yes, well, this horse is a great horse. Kovlika, it was just a class above in the Queensland Derby. Is rounding through, extra revs are still there, running home promises, kept also cut on a dime and stroke of luck on the outside, but Kovalik with 100 metres left to go, well clear in the derby, and Kovalik is too good. Kovalik is one, second fame and first stroke of luck, followed by Fado fourth, promises kept Andalus, and they'll trail over Yeah, dominate, uh, dominating display in the Saturday's Group on 1 d- Queensland derby at Eagle Farm. Three-year-olds, they've saw others shone particularly brightly with Group 1 victories from Sharp and Smart, these all Kiwis, of course. Uh, Legato's done it, Prowess has done it, Major Beal in the Australian Derby, Penny Wecker, Ferris Severe, and of course Ruthless Dame and the Robert Sangster Stakes and Dunkel, uh, all Kiwi breads that uh, Kavlika's gone and joined on the weekend. Well, it was a lovely ride, McDonald said. Everything worked out well. Kavlika, it's trained by Chris Waller and owners are Neville Morgan and David Devine. And if you watch that race, when he came around that bend and took off in front, a $1.70 shot, he looked every bit as good as the money. Um, a load of racing on this week, Rick Dog. We've got uh, plenty happening around the country and a big day down in Whanganui for me on Saturday when our boy Just Ask Me lines up in the wait for age. So uh, we'll talk to Alan Shark later on the week and we'll see whether or not uh, that boy should should be able to or can be able to get it done for us uh, come Saturday. So. Well, that's the love racing for us this morning. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Good stuff, Kempi. It will win. It will win. You've heard it from the <laughs> both oracles. Both oracles have spoken. Ah, oh, jeez. If one anchor wasn't enough, now you've got two. Uh, you go, that is your love racing update. Grab your mates, get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to be talking... The football from the Premier League. Who's up? Who's down? Matt Reid joins us shortly right now, though. Here's Aroha with news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go, flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio, love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever but I'm down for the minute so just chill, wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go, flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio, love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever but I'm down for the minute so just chill.
Good morning, Izzy. Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's just after 7 o'clock. I'm back. I'm back. Ready to rip into a couple of hours talking sport. Oh, it's a big day in my household, actually, lads. Tilly Dags, first day at school. Oh, how Start good. school today. Yeah. Yeah, she's ready, mate. She's been... She just ran straight out of daycare. She graduated from daycare on Friday. She ran straight out. She could have stayed on for the rest of the day, but no, she wanted to go home. And then yesterday, she was like, Dad, Dad, I'll go get my nursing outfit on. I'll come and nurse you. I was like, sweet as. Well, she comes back out with her hair done and her school uniform on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, darling, you're so excited. I couldn't wait to leave it. But anyway, <laughs> no, I see you're excited. It was again good. So, uh, yeah, big day in the household, lads. But uh, we've got a big show coming up. We've got plenty of messages that we'll get through, but we're going to talk some football, aren't we, Rick Dole? Yeah, we are. It was the last day of the English Premier League this morning, and that meant that all 20 teams kick off at the same time so there can be no collusion of results. Of course, uh, that's the way things were looking. There were uh, two out of three teams were going to get relegated today. Southampton were already down. Leeds needed to beat Tottenham. Leicester needed to beat West Ham. Everton needed to beat Bournemouth. If Everton uh, could better or match the results of the other two, they would stay up. So it was uh, it was all on them. That was the that was the situation we had this morning. And joining us out of the UK to talk about that is a man who the first time I talked to this man, Izzy and Kempe, was when Leicester City won the Premier League. I rang a bar in Leicester looking for somebody and he answered the phone and I went, oh, are you the publican? He goes, no, nah, uh, this is my local, but the, the, the bar's rammed. I'm a football journalist. I'm just answering the phone. And I'm like, oh, great, perfect. So uh, Matt Reed's got many claims to fame. He's the first man to interview Raheem Sterling, the first man to interview Jordan Henderson, Theo Walcott and others as well, was the features editor at Match Magazine for over 13 years. He is now a, a professor of football studies at Coventry University. Uh, come in, Matt Reed. Good morning to you, sir. Hello. Good morning. How are you, Rick? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. And, um, you know, teams that you've worked uh, pretty closely covering, Leicester and Everton in particular, uh, how torn were you, the, uh, you know, watching these games and this go right down to the wire, knowing one was going to be out of the Premier League? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was torn. Um, and but Leeds throw them in there as well. Leeds are a a controversial team, and they're a team whose fans tend to wind up the opposition quite uh, effectively. But but they're a, they're a great old club, and this is three great old clubs who were who were and Leicester with more of the modern history, admittedly, but of all in large cities in the UK big fan bases uh, and in Everton in particular huge success historically I mean, fourth most successful team in English football history nine league titles etc um, but all of them have got their claims in recent times for, for really high status and it's a real shame to lose any of them out of the league so it was a bit of a lose-lose situation really um, with all of these uh, the, the, the smaller new teams that have come up the likes of Brentford and of Brighton um, who are doing so well now um, so yeah I was torn um, I didn't want any of them to go down in particular um but this is this is football isn't it is it in a way you know you mentioned brighton and brentford i mean they are very much modern football clubs in the way they are won uh, they are run i should say mm. is this a, a a bit of a lesson for some of the old money in football as to how it really should be done and that the old ways don't work anymore spot on 
That's absolutely that. Um, you've got you've got three clubs here with uh, leadership who are split and who are disorganised. You've got people clubs who've tried to throw money at at saving themselves. You've got clubs who try to do it on the cheap at the same time and cut a few corners. But I firmly believe, and uh, my experience of covering so many different teams, the, the teams that do well. It's not necessarily those who, who get the most money thrown at them, even though Manchester City in the modern world and Chelsea before them and Manchester United before them have spent huge amounts of money. But it's the teams that work really hard and the teams that have a united, focused kind of picture and um, ethos from the top. And the chairman leads that. And in Leicester, in Leeds and in, at Everton, the ownership and the chairman and the board are all so splintered. And this is, this is what's come to, come to bear now. Um, they've been unbelievable picked by this uh, this lack of joined up thinking and you know, a couple of them have tried to throw a little bit of money at it Leicester have bought some big players and Everton have spent hundreds of millions of pounds over the last three or four years um, but to no avail because they play they absolutely deserve to be in those bottom four or five positions uh, and in the end Everton survive but are lucky to survive Mate, talk to me about this uh, this beautiful story of Luton Town. Luton Town. Luton. Uh, they won the championship. Luton. Luton Town. They've won the championship playoff against Coventry. 6-5 on penalties. First time in 31 years they've been uh, in the top league. 1992 was their last time they played top flight at their stadium. There was a TikTok going around at their stadium. Well, it's got to have a little bit of an influx of some cash to their disposal. <laughs> about $200 million odd that's going to be spent on upgrades. What about the story of Luton Town, mate? It's, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? It's, in, it's incredible. At the start of this season, I was putting out some stats. I put a feature together covering um, about how um, the, the giant cities in England were now all being catered for by Premier League clubs. And it was the big city time and it was the big club time this, this year and this season. Um, what's been unpicked now is the fact that with Leeds going down and with Leicester going down, I mean, Leeds is the fifth biggest city, I think, in, the, in England. Leicester is the tenth biggest city in England. Um, but Luton is, a, is overspill from London, is what Luton is. Uh, and it, the club is, is almost like you've, you've stepped out of the 1970s when you go down um, to go and visit the stadium, to visit the training ground. It is uh, an incredible old place. I went down there a few years ago when they were on a... Uh, on a um, an FA Cup run, they'd they'd, um, they'd they'd beaten I think it was a beat, beaten a top flight team, and they were going on the draw in Liverpool to play in the next round. And I was interviewing a player and I was speaking to a few people around the club, and the funny thing with Luton was they'd been outside of the football league for years, and uh, they'd been struggling in League Two and then dropped down to being outside the football league, um, and they they were a big club at that level, but they really believed intensively they really believed that they were an upper championship to lower Premier League status team and I was looking around thinking it doesn't look like it it really doesn't look like it and the stadium hasn't changed since then that was almost 10 years ago that I was down there um, a lovely little feature um, but the, everyone at the club was kind of like just determined about the, about the injustice of where they were and the, the fact that they had a plan to get back and they would get back and they could really make it and be a big success at the top of the championship and they've, they've come through a league um, at the championship level and before it in League One, which, which contains enormous clubs. I mean, clubs that have won multiple league titles and the clubs that have regular attendances of 30, 35,000. The Sheffield Wednesdays, the Sunderlands, the Ipswiches and the Norwiches of this world. Um, Luton have... Uh, this weekend, they have, they've, they've unpicked uh, Coventry City with a, a team of... Um, 
unknowns. They really are like such a, an emerging group of players. And even though a couple of those players have been named in the Championship Team of the Year, uh, Tom Lockyer won't be one of them um, who, who couldn't who couldn't complete the, uh, the the playoff final. They're so unfashionable. There are very few less fashionable teams <laughs> in English football. And it's sticking it to the man really is a case of that. It's a case of real team ethic and a real joined-up thinking and determination and fight has brought them through. And but that, that's not to pour cold water on their quality. They move the ball really nicely and they know how to score goals and they know how to defend more than anything else, to be fair. So uh, an amazing story. And they've, and they've beaten a, a team who, in a similar position, like Coventry City, the team they beat in the playoff final, who have a Premier, Premier League history from 25 years ago, uh, but have also been down in the dumps and struggling in League One and League Two before that point. But the Luton are tiny, absolutely tiny, and they've just created something incredible this season. Yeah, what an absolute um, fantastic story that one there is, Matt. Matt, just on, I want to ask you a little bit about Chelsea, because that story since Abram... Abramovich. Abramovich has um, taken off, has sort of just gone by the wayside, but it, it looks like they're actually uh, probably a team that's going to be forget it, uh, forgotten about with them losing what's rumoured to be five of their top players. Uh, is Chelsea even going to come back to the top? Oh, it's, it, it's an incredible story. And, and if, if Manchester City hadn't been on for the treble... Uh, and if there hadn't been other stories like Liverpool's underachievement this season, like a few ups and downs inside Manchester United, uh, and like the struggles of, a, of big teams like Everton and Leeds and Leicester, they would have had much more attention thrown on them. But there is there is a real focus uh, on what's happened there and on the failings of Todd Bowley. So the new owner, uh, American owner, came in and decided to be the uh, director of football um, for for the start of the season and to be uh, splashing money around, spending crazy amounts of money um, on getting new talent in and rebuilding the team, which is fine and great if it can be afforded. And it appears like they may they found ways with the contract situation to buy in players that you that they that they shouldn't really be able to afford because they don't have a huge attendance because they haven't got through to the latter stages of the Champions League, etc. But Chelsea have, have money behind them, have a good model, the rest of it, and they've done really well with being able to finance and make these, these signings work. They're in trouble now. They really are in trouble because this team at the moment is so disjointed. They've been through three, well, two top managers in Thomas Tuchel at the start of the season who couldn't get a tune out of them. Then the rising star of English management, Graham Potter, who, who did ever so slightly worse. And then Frank Lampard's come in as a temporary coach with the hope there'd be a different approach and there'd be youth and energy and the fact that a, a legend of the club was coming back to just like, you know, to just take the pressure off a little bit. And they look even worse. So Chelsea are, are bang in trouble and they have splashed a huge amount of money out. They can afford it for the time being. Sorry, got an alarm going off there. They can afford it for the time being because they they have good money behind them and they've had Champions League um, like payouts and, and European payouts for the last um, last few years. Um, but yeah, there's an enormous amount of work to do there, and I would be incredibly concerned with the way that clubs around them are growing. The likes of Newcastle in recent times, the fact that Manchester United are looking like they are back and they're going to be growing in the way they are, and that this new cluster of teams, the Brentfords and the Brightons, uh, have a togetherness that they don't have. I mean, Chelsea. He could well miss out again next season, and it might be a few years before they come back. Mate, well, Matt, I just want to ask you about the, the key to success when you make it in the EPL. Like, you can't look no further than Leicester City's dream run to winning the EPL title, come out of nowhere. So for these new teams that come up and they gain promotion, what, what is their key to success? Because financially they can't compete 
with the big clubs. So what do they have to do around their, their own backyard to ensure that they are competitive throughout this competition? There are two models. Model one this season has been the Nottingham Forest model and also the Chelsea model, but they're obviously a long-term Premier League club, and that is buying, buying, buying. And it's a kind of a a blunderbuss approach, a scattergun, where they just think, well, we've done a bit of research on these players. We all think they could make it, but we see countless times that somebody signed for 5, 10, 15, 30, 40, 50 million pounds, and they work out to be a flop. I mean, for example, a guy called Tangi Dombele um, signed for Tottenham five or six years ago. He was awful at Tottenham and they paid over £60 million for him and he just didn't do well for them. He's gone over to play in Italy this year and he's looked great for Napoli. So sometimes a player just won't fit. So, But there's that option one. The option one is you splash the cash and you gamble and you just hope that you stay up. Because if you don't, you've got to get all those players out really, really quickly because otherwise you'll be broke. That's what's worked for Forest this year, and it's worked really well. But they've also got a fantastic manager. They've got a balance there with the manager. They've got a bit of a, a bit of a madcap kind of structure above him, but he's brought this sense of calm and this order and this, this organisation. So that can really work for you. The other way is to do what Brentford have done and is to do what Brighton have done, and it's to have a really solid, respectful structure. You have a, you have a, a CEO who, who respects and gives huge amounts of power to the manager and or the director of football. And from that point, basically, those guys are the law. And if those guys are the law, they have to be listened to. Players will not be, will not be um, uh, egos and tempers and complaints won't be listened to. It will be a case of, well, we have a structure here and you must respect it. And it can really work, but you need to have everybody buying into it. You need to have the right kind of players. And I, I, I've long argued that um, what's gone wrong with Everton in recent years is they bought players who are on their way down. They bought players <clears throat> like uh, Andre Gomez, a Portuguese midfielder who looked really impressive as an 18, 19, 20-year-old. They got him from Barcelona. He's coming to Everton. It's not quite as exciting to be at Everton as it is at Barcelona. Now, for all of the passion and all of the history at Everton Football Club, if you have players on the way down, you have to do something really quite remarkable. You have to have the right kind of like, hungry determination to make those players want to be fighting and continuing and hitting those levels again. And Everton have gone in for buying a lot of these big-name players who are on their way down, players from Manchester United as well, players from, from different, more successful clubs in the short term. My argument is that these clubs need to be buying those young, those hungry, those ambitious players. And with the model at Brighton, Brighton say, well, we'll have you here for a couple of seasons. We'll set a price, a price about a valuation for you when you sign. If, if somebody comes off and offers, offers that and it's the right kind of club and we can make it work for ourselves, then we'll let you go. So they were a bit of a stepping stone club. And they tend to find a player who's even better. Once they've got rid of a player and they've made tens of millions of pounds from selling a player that they bought for pennies, they then have another player come through who does the exact same job and then they can sell them on again in two, three, four years' time. That's the best model at the moment. Um, and I would, rather than gambling everything and just splashing random amounts of money on different players from across Europe, I'd be following that Brighton model. Yeah, good stuff, Matt. All right, hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for your time. appreciate you coming on and uh, g- giving us some of your insight on uh, what has been an absolutely massive day of English football. Hopefully we can uh, talk to you again in the, in the pre-season and maybe get some predictions for you as well. Fantastic. Let's be them. Cheers. Uh, Matt Reid with us here, out of the UK football journalist and uh, now well, Professor of Football Studies in Journalism at, uh, at Coventry University. So uh, certainly knows his stuff, boys. We do have a can't-wait question of the day. Let's reiterate the can't-wait question of the day, shall we? Because this has uh, been firing up the text machine. 
the streakers, well not streakers, the pitch invaders that we had in Hawke's Bay at that Warriors game. Um, it disrupted the game. It's now got the NRL questioning whether they'll send games to places outside of Auckland and New Zealand again. Give us your thoughts. What uh, punishment should be handed out to these people that invaded the match and interrupted play? Give us your thoughts. You could win a Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack valued at $200 thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss. Double eight double three is the Temper Bed Post text machine or call us 0800 150 811. It is 7.20 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. What a weekend we had in the Hawks Bay. An awesome gathering of young and old to help lift the spirits of a region only just recently devastated by floods and still working tirelessly to get things back to normal. The Warriors and the Broncos battle just about had a fairy tale finish for the boys from Mount Smart only to be once again done and by a couple of, let's say, dubious refereeing and bunker decisions. I'm sure others will have strong opinions to express on that recurring theme. But don't get me wrong, the Warriors would be the first to admit that they should never have put themselves in that position of chases. But man, the last tries to go down is probably one of the greatest or perhaps worst no-try calls of all times. Certainly that was the opinion of my devastated co-commentator Sammy Hewitt. The back from the brink would have made my weekend and everyone else's in New Zealand. Another more serious mention has to go to the individuals that think running onto a field to disrupt the game is actually what we all came to see. Seriously, what a bunch of pork chops. I'm picking the most of it. Not of all these people here never actually spent any time in the game as a player, a volunteer or supporter of rugby league here in New Zealand. If any supporter in their right mind thinks that the power brokers of the NRL aren't considering these disruptive shenanigans and whether it's actually worth bringing more games here, then they must also have rocks in their head. And that actually gets my blood boiling. So instead of cheering these idiots when they run onto a pitch, let's start booing them out of the park. They're likely never played a game in their lives and just wannabes trying to steal limelight from the real stars. Let's make it known that it's our time that they are wasting. Enough is enough, and it's time to call them out. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, love it. Demon. Kempy. Steaming. Steaming. The consequences need to be harsh. We know that. And that'll stop them. Like when you know you're, not, you're only going to slap on the wrist, you're going to continue to do it. So let's put a stake in the ground and say this is what you get. You get a 10 grand fine. You, you spend a nine in the cells. Or, you know, you're going to get something. They'll have to come up with something because that was just absolutely ridiculous. And to hear that they got let go and they can go about their night and probably go to town and make even more, just create more disruption and carry on like larrikins. It's, uh, and cretins, as someone put it. My, my teacher used to call me a cretin, so that reminded me of uh, David Bovey. <laughs> so cheers for that message. A lot of messages coming through. But just on your off-the-back fence, Kempe, that moment when Adam Pompey held back uh, the winger there, Mm. And, and stopped them from making that tackle. I don't think it would have made any difference, too. I think Montoya was so close to the game. He's a powerful individual. It would have made it a relatively little bit harder to score that try, but I reckon he would have scored it anyway. Oh, he, he, have gone he was close. gone. Jesse Arthurs was gone, mate. Montoya, Montoya yeah. had already done him, and Pompey had done enough to get around his centres and hold him up, and he didn't need to put his oh. hand on him. That's where the common mm. sense from the bunker should have said, yeah, he put his hand on him, but he was never going to get to him anyway. Um, but we're not going to get those 50-50 calls. Well, should that be common sense from the bunker or common sense from the player? Both. Well, the player shouldn't have done it. It's the first thing, but like the bunker, this is where the bunker really gets on my 
my back, you know, he winds me up. Like, mate, common sense is he's beaten. In the football terms, he's beaten. Yeah, I don't think he would have made a difference, eh? Don't think he would have made a difference, Rick. No, I don't think so either. Actually, uh, Irish John's called up on 0800 811. You can call us any time on that number uh, to give us his five cents worth. Good morning, uh, John. How you doing? Morning, boys. Um, morning. There should be the, uh, any people, any picture of ages, um Yeah, send them off to Gloryville. <laughs> <laughs> A year's attention into Gloryville. No pay. Just um, a cup of water. Yeah. Away you go. Away you go. Good stuff. Thanks for your call, John. You can text us anytime too. Double eight double three. That is a temper bedpost text machine. I was just gonna say, Rick, you know, like back back in my day, if that ever happened, I can guarantee you after two, the rest of them would have got hit by the players. They would have just yeah. ta- they would have just taken them out and see, and actually dragged them out and said, get off the pitch. But our players is they they're not allowed to do that these days. But I, mean, I was sitting up in that box on the on the weekend and I was fuming. You know, because from a co- I'm looking there from a coach's perspective, commentating the game, and I'm going, the coaches here, you know, the Warriors are trying to build momentum. Walters here doesn't want he he doesn't want this to happen. He's gonna he's gonna blow up if the Warriors get back into the game, and of course we just couldn't get the game started. Yeah, you know? it was just a really bad look, and and then when you look at it from an administrative point of view, the NRL set will seriously be considering not bringing another game to New Zealand. Yeah, well, you know, outside of but, outside of Auckland, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Bye bye, bye bye, events in Napier. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. It's up at seven here on SENZ. It's Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Keep your texts coming through. The punishment needs to be instant. Give security tasers. That'll be entertaining. That's from Mark. <laughs> Maybe we put the resies in high vis and just let the resies have some tackling practice around the uh, <laughs> around the around the ground. There'd certainly be nobody sidestepping security then. Uh, I, I, what I reckon you should do, and they do they. Do this in Papua New Guinea. When I played over there, they had these massive alsatians, and they were on these big ropes, and they were up the arm. The ropes were up the arm of the of the um, the security guards. And when they came too close, they let the rope loose, and the dog ran away till they could catch it in their hand. And it went like three meters, and they just mate, they wouldn't go anywhere near them. I reckon you put dogs around the perimeter, and if someone gets out, let the dog go. <laughs> <laughs> Get your tips coming through, double eight, double three. You can win yourself a Chemist Warehouse Mayhem prize pack valued at $200, thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss. Uh, we've got way uh, heaps more to come. We've got Toddy Blackadder coming up after 8 o'clock as well. Uh, we've got a poll coming your way too, and uh, we've got some sports headlines as well. All of that and more coming your way after the latest in news and sport from Araha with news for Kubota. Together we are building and shaping New Zealand. Already in Paris, how's this? He finished that final match, hour and a half later, jumped on a train to Paris and got there on Saturday night. That win in Geneva gives Venus his 20th ATP title. Of course, he did win the French Open in 2017 with his American partner at the time, Ryan Harrison. And uh, speaking of State of Origin uh, that Araha mentioned in her news, there's a bit of uh, trouble brewing around State of Origin, actually. New South Wales have rejected the NRL's last-minute request to revert to their traditional sky-blue jersey to avoid a clash with Queensland's Maroon Strip in the series opener. The NRL was told of the Blues jersey choice more than a year ago, but only made contact with New South Wales to question the navy blue design on Friday once images began surfacing in media outlets ahead of Game 1. The Blues traditionally wear it sky blue and the NRL harbours concerns the new outfit will clash with Queensland's similarly dark attire. But while the NRL has full say over the jerseys all the clubs wear, they're not bound 
by the same rules in state of origin, Kempe. No, they're not. And they, they look, I, when I saw that uh, social, I was wondering who they were. Yeah, they it almost look like the Melbourne Rebels or something, eh? Yeah, that kind of look. I thought jersey. like Canterbury. Yeah. Although they're like a Canterbury team was, you know, like, is this a new jersey coming out for the NRL? So, mate, it'll go, it'll go down like a cup of sick, that jersey for the New South Welshman. Yeah. Oh, that's you in it, is he? <laughs> it's not me, mate. I'll be, I'll be wearing my queen. I'll be wearing my Queensland on on Wednesday. But mate, I, you can understand why. I know the All Blacks have gone down the same kind of path with Adidas, trying to create a financial, you know, profit from it, bringing out new jerseys. It's like the Apple iPhone. Change the plug, people got to charge your phone. Mm. They're trying to create a, a financial turnover, but mate, you just can't go that far from what it, what's the norm. No, I'm a That's New horrible. South Wales fan. I'm a New South That's Wales horrible. fan, and I'm not buying one of those. I want the old school. That's horrible, blues. isn't it, Rick? Yeah, it is. It's horrible. Is it? You're right. 100%. 100%. It, it, it goes completely against the tradition of it as well. So, mm. now, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, basically, They'll lose now. I, well, I tell you what, the fans <laughs> don't buy it, they won't do it again. No, well, that's right. That's why they, that's why yeah. they put it out there so yeah. that they can. Um, Sell more jerseys. Mate, Queensland, I'll tell you now, Queensland's never going to change that colour. No, <laughs> no, you're never going to see them running around in pink or something. Anyway, there you go. Kenan's Hire, two easy weekend, two days of hire for the price of one visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Those are your sports headlines. Now, it is also uh, time for our poll. We've got a choices flooring poll, right? Now, this is, uh, Kez has put this, uh, this together. Design, visualise and create your perfect floor with room view. And I think this is good. Who's had the biggest win of the weekend? That's our choices flooring poll. Mark Talia in the Blues, Adam Reynolds' Baby Broncos, Luton Town's EPL Dream, or the Northern Stars making the ANZ Premiership Final. What do you think? Who has had the biggest win of the weekend? Let us know. Head to the SEN app, find Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, and you can vote right there. It's, uh, the poll is right at the app. Discover your signature style and enjoy a virtual design experience with Choices Flooring's Room View. That is the Choices Flooring poll. We'll have uh, results for you in about an hour. What do you reckon is? You're scratching your chin. What's the biggest win of the weekend? Those four. Oh, I just... Oh, I said, I'm going to go Reynolds, mate. Oh, he just really shows his importance for that Broncos outfit. Eh? He was just schooling with the Warriors on the weekend. Like yeah. His kicking game was just crazy out the gate. His his ball in hand, the time that he has on the, with ball in hand is is crazy. He's got little feet. He, he knows to see space. He's confident. Look, I, I just really saw a masterclass from the old dog over there. Uh, compared to, to Sean Johnson on the weekend, I think um, he took that team that was depleted, had lost a lot of Origin stars, had been, th- you know, talked about all about the Warriors this week. This is the Warriors' year. This is their time. They're going to go for these important next couple of weeks. But he said, nah, stuff that. I'm going to take this team on my back. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Adam Reynolds. I'm Adam Reynolds. What, yeah, what are you keeping? There's a texter that came in and said it was probably the war- one of the Warriors' worst performances this year. I, I think as he's nailed it, like the, the talk of the. Um, the pre-game was all about the game between Reynolds and Sean Johnson and his kicking game, especially Reynolds, if he could get these young blokes laying a platform for him. And they did, you know, like their front row, especially their loose forward early on in those exchanges when the Warriors couldn't get the ball down over the try line and they just hung in there. The be- the better Reynolds was getting because he was getting into the game. And in the end, you didn't want to make it a, a bit of a, a hand wrestle because the uh, that bloke Reynolds stepped up. Like you've got to remember, the player he went around when he passed that ball back in the ears of Mam mm. was who do you think it was? Never misses a tackle. Never misses a tackle? Tohu. It was Tohu Harris. Yeah, right. 
you know. But you, if you watch the set before, Tohu, Tohu was out. He was playing, you know, a massive game, and he took him two tackles to get into the line defensively. And on the back end of that tackle set, Reynolds had noticed that it took him two tackles to get there and just picked him out and went around him in the end. So, look, he's just a very, very good player, Adam Reynolds. I think that was the best play, best play of the week. Just on, just on Tohu Kempi, um, did you, how do you think his, his knees are? Both his knees are strapped. And they look sore. And I was just watching him like, is he, does, has he got the same movements compared to the before? Is, how do you think he's moving? Well, he's not as agile as he was when he was at Melbourne, put it, put it, to put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, but he still has got very good uh, feet at the line. Adam, Adam Fenua Blake, honestly, they, they could have put him on his back. He's, the, he's in the top three front rows in the competition. But what Tohu has done is he's developed his passing game in the middle yeah. of the park, which is added to his bow, you know. So he's making up for that that uh, lack of agility by adding that little string to his bow, which is the passing game. So, mate, he, he's so critical to this Warriors side and their performance for the rest of the year. Yeah, he is. That is your choices for him, Paul. Get on it. Uh, the SCN app. Look for Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. You can vote the biggest win of the weekend. Both boys are going with Adam Reynolds and the baby Broncos. I've got to say, Luton Town, that game, that penalty shootout's worth £175 million the club. Well, <laughs> so I'm going to go Luton Town. We'll find out who Kez has got after this. It is 19 away from 8 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Chemist Warehouse June catalogue sale is on now. Find a massive 30% off the Thompson's vitamin range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 14 away from 8. You can call us any time, 0800-150811 or text the Temper Bedpost text machine on double eight double three. Our choice is flooring poll about the biggest win of the weekend. I know who Kez will say. He produces uh, the Netball Show on a Tuesday night. Uh, Kez, uh, centre pass, uh, you'll be all over this, I'd imagine. Ryu Buchanan gets it immediately to a midcourt buddy and Gina Crampton, not out of the centre third yet. And there's a little beautiful little interplay there between Crampton and Maya Wilson, Silver Fern teammates. Results in the first goal to the Stars. Crampton to Malasala. This time from over two metres and she gets it. Oh, Amarangi Malasala comes up with the goods at the right time. 20 seconds. 10 seconds. Soonest looking for Wormsley. Finds Wormsley. Five seconds to go. One, two, three pumps miss. One. Pump gets it. Learn the lesson. 14-12. 14-12 to the Pulse. Fantastic first quarter. Tightly fought. No one's really got away on anyone too much. It's an arm wrestle. It's an arm wrestle. Both teams have got big biceps, though. That's why they're in the elimination final. Maya Wilson, around the corner bounce pass, finds the co-captain, and she makes it count. And they edge one ahead, 18-17. 26-25 under a minute, the Pulse. What's their tactic? Do they take their time? Hell no! Hell no, says Maddie Gordon. Not when Amelia Wormsley's unmarked and I can thread the needle like a surgeon in Las Vegas. I'll take that. 27-25 to the Pulse. Stars back in possession. 30 seconds. Gordon again! Gordon. Oh, stop it! Ian Gordon! Ian Gordon! Are you kidding? From nowhere, she's run five metres, she's left five metres, she's passed five metres, and in the flash of an eye, 
They've got a three-goal lead. They've got centre-pass position. They've got Whitney Sooners fighting Maturo. And we've got Ali Timu denying a simple pass in. Ten seconds. Ten seconds to go. Inbound from the baseline. Five seconds to go. Wormsley's going to have to shoot from range. What do you got? I've got to go! I've got to go! Don't you worry about it! Amelia Wormsley sledgehammers! Sledgehammers, the end of first half. Nepal, me, oh my, 29-25. And there comes Holly Fowler. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stay on your attacking end. And she comes for a sniff and just takes the ball. Here's the stars. This is a game we needed. Mullisola now. Jury stands down to end of the third quarter. And she sinks it. it. That's a four-goal advantage. Oh. 16 goal stars. Eight goals pulse that quarter. Pulse now with a rainbow pass oh. into Wormsley. Oh, high risk, high return for the pulse. 49-51, trailing by two, 15 seconds. It's in the hands of Wilson. Crampton is looking. What is the silver food skipper do? She can't find anyone and she gives it to Maturo. Five seconds. Four seconds. There's a contact adjacent to the goal. The hooter goes. It's a shot for Malasala to make it to the final. And the umpire says, go. Malasala says, I go. I got there. G'day, Hamilton. See you next week. See you next week. And the stars are into their third grand final. They've done it away from home. They've done it with ticker. And they've done it by coming from behind by four goals. There you go, the great call from uh, Arrow, Mark Stafford and Brooke Lever on that elimination final from Te Rapraha Arena in Porirua yesterday. The final is this coming Sunday in Hamilton between the Stars and the Mystics. Uh, great call there, Kempi. Yeah, both the, both Auckland teams are through the final and, and uh, unfortunate for my team, the Pulse. They couldn't get there, lost that on that last uh, play of the game. I'll tell you one person that would be really happy about that and uh, I know they love listening to it is his sister, Andrea, who said uh, to me when she came and introduced herself to me down in Hawke's Bay on Saturday night, the good thing about you and Izzy now is that you play more netball on the breakfast show. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's Makisha. That's she, loves, she loves netball. And uh, both my sisters met you, Kempi. They were, uh, yeah, they were, they were pretty excited when they got to meet Uncle. So uh, well done there. But I, was, I just couldn't get that... Thread the needle like a surgeon in Las Vegas? <laughs> Plastic surgeon, maybe? I don't I know. Know. The, one I, the one I liked was the, uh, I'm pretty sure you get, you'd, you'd get a gold medal at the Olympics if you could skip, hop and jump for 15 metres. <laughs> five metre catch, five metre throw and a five metre shot. It was a pretty good one too. Pretty good effort from uh, young Staffy. He was pretty excited about that call. And uh, your fantastic game it was as well. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three for our can't wait question of the day about what should be done with the streakers. And Izzy, there's been a, an absolute uh, metric ton of these oh. coming through. Lots of ideas. Most of them uh, quite medieval. <laughs> yeah, put in, put in it, boys. Those bloody idiots at the game were an embarrassment to Hawks Bay. Make them dig silt out of Esk River for 12 months. That is Marshy at Hawks Bay. I tell you what, Marshy, they won't be doing any of that if they had to go and dig out all that silt. That's uh, ravaged to Hawks Bay. Uh, were the invaders the same mob that yelled out close to your microphone during the pregame chat? That was a good dump button saved by you guys. Kempi, I missed that one. Um, well, see, we were, 
We were stood out. Good we were, save. It was. We were sat there um, before the gamers, and they and the gates weren't open, and they let the g- gates open. There would have been oh five thousand people walk past us. So and half of them recognised the the breakfast show and were yelling out, "Yeah, can't be is he and Kimmy for breakfast?" But there were a few expletives in there. Um, so yeah. Brad Brad was up here hit the dump button all night. <laughs> he was doing well. He was doing this one. I actually quite like this one from Richie. Mordena lads, I reckon fines um, they should be fined and all the money should be given to local sports clubs and then those people yeah, that do it. it they have to uh, volunteer either by refereeing or doing clean up duties and setting up fields for the rest of the season. That's great. Yep, get the whole get the whole twelve of them. That find them on. where it hurts. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I Give like that. I like that from Richie. Keep them coming through. We'll announce our winner for that uh, chemist warehouse mayhem prize pack valued at over two hundred dollars. Thanks to chemist warehouse and their friends at Swiss. We'll do that shortly. It is seven away from eight. Uh, Izzy and Kippy for breakfast. Coming up to 8 o'clock after 8, we're going to talk to Toddy Blackadder, a Hall of Famer. Big weekend down here and also Tahi Krosic. So looking forward to having a catch-up with my first Crusaders coach. No, Kimpy, no. You just behave <laughs> yourself, okay? You do not ask him anything. Don't give it away, Toddy, please. Anyway, looking forward to that. We've got a ton of messages here we'll get through. From Troy, Tristan Sailor's. Sailor boys, that boy, that little chip in behind was class. Played a solid debut, and Reynolds leading the boys around was up there. And a solid win for the Stars. That game was tense throughout. Good effort from our Pulse, but the Stars toughed it out and got the treats. Dead right there, Troy. Another one here from Chris. Good morning, guys. I think those evading pitches should be stung in the pocket big time and barred for life from this generation and that have no respect and have never had a kick up the bum. This from Chris, the punishment needs to be. Another one from Jamie, streaking is not funny anymore. Increase the fine to maybe $20,000 or more in a lifetime ban from uh, from Jamie. So there you go, lads. Like They just want punishment to be severe, and that'll stop and encourage the, uh, not encourage these people to make those silly decisions. Yeah, people going hard, mate. People going hard. I tell you what, Jackson from uh, Horofenua, though, uh, he's picked up uh, that prize pack thanks to Chemist Warehouse and their friends at Swiss the Mayhem prize pack was two hundred dollars. He says they don't try that down here at the Crusaders. We just get on the horses and round them up. (laughs) So uh, thank you, Jackson. (laughs) Well done, son. That is all yours. Our team will be in in touch with you uh, to get that out to you. The latest in news and sport with Araha not too far away. We're going to catch up with Toddy Blackadder soon as well. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio. Love that I feel. Oh, nothing lasts forever, but I'm down for the minute, so just chill. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go. Flying over cities down to Rio.
Good morning, Izzy Kempe for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 8 o'clock. Hope you're having a good morning so far. Pretty big day in the household. Daughter Tilly starts school today, I'm absolutely chuffed. She's been ready for years. <laughs> yes. Old Tilly, she's all dressed and uh, ready to go, so proud, proud moment. Looking forward to going and picking her up later on this morning. We've got a big hour coming up. We've got Monty Beatham at about 8.40ish. We'll ask him what he would have done to those streakers <laughs> if he had caught them running on their field. I think, no I think he, he sorted someone out in the in the box too. I think someone went into his box and got a little short, sharp uh, oh, talon no. off. <laughs> short, sharp jab. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? We'll ask him about <laughs> that. Been more, would have been more than a taser. <laughs> yeah, it'll be the wrong one to go and... Uh, uh, get the wrong side of that that club. This with Monty, what he's able to do with those gloves and hair. But anyway, we're going to talk some rugby because it was a big weekend. Obviously, the Chiefs heading over to Canberra, getting the job done, cementing their spot as number one in the Super Rugby. But it was our Crusaders that celebrated a pretty special weekend to boot. And uh, the former All Black captain cemented himself in history last week in a beautiful ceremony. The Crusaders elected Tok Toddy. Blackadder, Crusade Hall of Fame number one. A well-deserved achievement for a, a man who gave it all on and off the field. And we're going to play this for you. Blackadder. Oh, Blackadder is going to go all the way. Todd Blackadder. Toddy Blackadder. He's probably wondering what that clip was from. Well, Toddy, you're going to have to remind us that you played for New Zealand Sevens, Toddy. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm bloody great. Thanks, mate. And um, I remember when we first talked about whether Vangelis was going to be the right song for the Crusaders and even now, it still gets the old hairs on the back of the neck up, mate. There's some great memories there. And yes, New Zealand Sevens, mate. That's where it all started for me. Um, actually, Mark Ellis went down uh, injured in the pre. I, I played for the Sevens Bs team, the PG, and we got thrashed like every other team that ever plays PG sides. And then Mark Ellis went down and I made my way to the very first uh, World Cup in Scotland, 1993, mate. So there you go. <laughs> Winding back the clock, Toddy. Look, I know you just touched on that, uh, that that song, that moment. Look, what a big weekend, a weekend of reflection. Take us back to Friday afternoon, 12 o'clock, when you arrive, walk through the doors, see all those old photos, see a couple of old mates that you donned the field with, mate. Took us through. Was it, how was the day? Oh, it was... Uh... It was absolutely magnificent. It was uh, really special. It was like when you walked through, when I walked, when we went upstairs and you see the guys that you played with, it just felt like yesterday. And you know, just for a reminder of just how special those times were. And it was, it was mates. It was just like we were back in 1996 and reliving, um, you know, all those great memories and the jokes. And it's interesting now, like just the, just the type of people that we, we were and we still are is exactly the same. Like the guys are exactly the same. Yeah, we're just 30 years older, of course, and um, um, we're sort of growing a little bit. Our, our shirt sizes and short size, pants sizes got a little bit bigger, but otherwise, it was just a really special event. And, um, you know, the whole day for me, and I think a lot of the other guys, is really overwhelming. I've never been to such 
a magnificent event. It was was well run. It was well staged. Um, you know, there's a lot of special people in the room, and you know, for the acknowledgement and the side of it. I mean, as you know, you're you're you know, you're a great crusader, and there could be a hundred people sitting up there uh, with me who will, in time, I reckon, accept the same awards because it's what they've given. You know, the Crusader Club, and it's a great organisation, and, and um, a lot of people talk about the players, the great players that have been in the past, but you know, as an organisation, that what they've weathered the storms in the last 10 or 50 years is a testament to the people on and off the field, and I think it's a greater, you know, it's almost a greater success story, not just of the people behind the team, but also to how that organisation has survived a lot of... Um, you know, like for example, the, you know the Mox stuff and the, the Pike River and the earthquakes and the COVID stuff, and you know it's a testament to the people really. And to to associate that with a with Mike King and I and Hope was you know it was a really really fantastic day. Yeah, well done, Toddy, and congratulations and thanks for taking time. Uh, it's keeping here, mate. Just to, on the, from a personal, um, you know, like get yourself getting that award, like. How do you feel? How did you feel when they made made you aware that you had to go up there and receive that? Were you, were you you know, you've you've coached them, you've played, you've played there, you're an All Black. Like, where does it where does it sit in your uh, in your um, I guess your bank of achievements? It would be it felt it probably the most special moment of my life, to be honest. Um, all really overwhelmed. Uh, you know, I ne- you never really you. I suppose I've never really truly reflected on myself at all, and, and it was the first time that you know to, to receive such to uh, um, receive such an award that is so special to my heart as well, and, and it means a lot. Um, and to go through, you know, like to, to play and to coach and to be around, to be amongst so many special people, and um, to see, you know, I, I talked a little bit on Friday night, like. They, they talk about this great crusader legacy and I think what brings the legacy alive is the special teams that went after us and, and the special team and you see what Ray's has done to the you know, the team now they've won six in a row. That's what keeps the past alive, I believe, and that's why I think it's such, it's it's really special and really unique and you know, the reason why they have functions like Friday is because it's, you know, it's so successful. So, yeah, for me to, to be acknowledged like that was fantastic. Not just for me, but you know my family and all the people that have gone through with me on this journey. It's just fantastic, and you couldn't, I couldn't help but feel just so pleased. And you know, by the end of it, emotionally drained, and you know, just so happy. And it's just a really nice um, piece and to be part of in my life. And I accept it. And you know, my next job is to you know support the team going forward, as we all do as past players, and that includes. When Israel Dad, he does a lot for this team anyway. I mean, last week they did a connection piece, and I looked at the uh, some of the stuff on the social media, and there he is putting some hard yards. And so that, that's what I mean. That's why the Crusaders is a great side. Oh, I love it, Toddy. Oh, I've spoken about it plenty of times. I've been a part of some teams, but there's something different about this this team, this organisation. You just always, no matter if you played. 20 years ago, you played four years ago like myself, I always feel like I'm a part of the family, no matter what you walk through that door and you always feel welcomed and, and you feel like the, you're a part of something that is unique and, and different, so mate, I, I congratulate you, yeah. and the question I've been asked, Toddy, and 
it's hard to really talk about it and pinpoint why, but the question that gets thrown around quite a lot is, why are the Crusaders so successful? You've been there from the start. You know, you went through a year in 96 when you came dead last, and you had to make those changes, and then you won the title in 97. Like, what can you pinpoint it to, mate? Yeah, there's a lot of things, as you know, and I, I think um, one of the things I think, when I, when I, when I think of Wayne Smith, I think of what he brought to the Crusaders and you know, Vance as well, but what Wayne Smith in particular did is he, he, was, he was really innovative. I mean, he was really ahead of his time. And I think of, you know, when I think of all the rugby that's been played, you know, at the Crusaders for so long, they've really been at the cutting edge of a lot of innovation, I think. And, you know, they're really set-piece strong, like under pressure, their line-out functions, their scrum, they do their basics really well, and I think they take pride in that. The other thing is, I think the coaching teams have been really good, like um, great ideas, innovative, ready to try things. Um, And on the back of that, They've had great players who have driven, you know, like really driven themselves. They've done their preparation. And so with the innovation, on the back of that is a lot of hard work that goes in by the boys wanting to prepare themselves really well. So I reckon they get the rugby right. And then on the back of that, I reckon there's a massive part of the culture that's driven by the way that they behave around that. And a lot of that is player-led, it's it's coach-led. And then behind all that, they've got a... You know, great community and great sponsors and a great organisation behind them. And I think when you get all those th- three things together, um, they do, they're do really, really successful. And I think what Razor's done is brilliant. Is he's, he's tied the vision into that. And you probably know a little bit about that, is he? But he, he's, he's tied mm. a great vision in it, into it to give that meaning and connect it all together and and that's that's a lot of those things are really really simple. They're not that difficult, but when you put them together, you've got an outstanding um, environment. Yeah, Todd, you you did right. You like um, must have been hard to pick pick players because you could pick a, a thousand players out of the Crusaders um, that have built this legacy over the years. But you did mention, as he mentioned, a couple of words here: unique and different. That's that's what's down there, and he probably doesn't want me to ask. This question, but he just—I didn't know this, but you were the first coach of Israel Dag. How unique and different was it when he came on board, oh. mate? That's the reason why I selected him, mate. He's always been very, very unique and different. <laughs> <laughs> was it about then you started going grey as well, Todd? Mate, mate, I had my jet black hair before I met Izzy. Now, you know, overnight, my hair went blonde. <laughs> so, mate, he's a special man. He's great players, you know. Like, I don't have to talk about him. He's a, yeah, no, he's a magnificent human. He's a great player, and um, I'm just so proud of his. He like it's just when I see the next part of his career after rugby. I mean, his, his accolades speak for himself. You don't have to worry about that. But um, you know what you've done with your career, mate, is just magnificent. It's so good to see, and I'm really proud of you. Do they get yeah, it? Do they get Toddy. it done, Toddy? This year, you know, like the um, the Chiefs have been absolute, on, uh, absolutely on fire. Their depth in their squad reminds us all about how how good the Crusaders have been over the years and look like the team to beat. But do you think the Crusaders can still get this 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 done and get that seventh that seventh championship? Yeah, just looking at the Crusaders this year, like you know, they've had a, a, a different challenge, I think, to the Chiefs. I mean. I reckon, you know, the Chiefs have been consistent. They're playing great rugby, absolutely magnificent. 
Um, and it's so good to see. It's great for the competition. And you know, I really like what they're doing. They're direct and they're tough and strong. And you know, they plan for each other. And you can see that in the smart. I think the Crusaders have had a different journey. Um, they've been in, absolutely every, injury ravaged. And you know, I thought on the weekend they played really well. When you consider just how much, um, how little time they've actually played together to get those combinations and. Yeah, for them to be sitting in second, mate, is just unbelievable when you look at the injuries that they've had. I think they've lost six props, and you know they're probably going to lose David Harvilli and you know, Callum Grace for a while, and Ethan's been out of it as well, and there's been a lot going on. And I think if 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 there's anything that could possibly hurt the Crusaders would be that they they've you know these injuries really affect them when it comes to the finals, um, and they may not quite have the quality, but I think you know like if you get them to the Get into the final, I think it'll be a tough battle, but it'll be tougher in Hamilton. But I still think, you know, what Razor's managed and Harry's managed to motivate the Crusaders to, to reach the greater heights, you know, they'll definitely bring everything they've got to that contest uh, if they're in the final. Yeah, if there's a team that can beat them, it can be the Crusaders. But I'm the same, Toddy. I think injuries will play a big part. Obviously, David Harvilli, we're still waiting yeah. for your, your son, Ethan, to come back and hope, looking forward to seeing what he can do out there with the props, the front row, how important they are. John R. Fire, defying age and getting back out there. So yeah. there's a lot to look forward to, Toddy. But uh, you're over in Japan, yeah. mate. How's that going for you? Yeah, I'm in Japan. Um coaching to Shiba. Uh, the first two years were COVID ravaged, so it was just it just felt like we couldn't really uh, get a foothold there and, and make an, an impact. But you know, since then we, we managed to get fourth, and this year we managed to get fifth. And you know, I thought this year we played really good rugby. We've recruited a lot more depth. We didn't quite have the depth this year, and uh, the injuries really affected us. But you know, we had the likes of uh, Matt Todd up there, and. You know, before that, it was Timmy Bateman and some really good guys put in a lot of work to support the coaching team to help develop a lot of um, uh, really good, potentially really good players and put good systems in place. So, no, really enjoying it. Um, but there's no place like home. It was really nice to be back and you know, back <laughs> catching up with my mates. And that's why the weekend was, yeah, it was bloody, it was awesome. Awesome, Toddy. We appreciate you coming on, mate. Congratulations for your recognition on the weekend. There was no one uh, better that could have been received that award. You're a champion. You are a crusader man. And uh, all the best to get in a lot of freebies while your time in Christchurch. you got the keys to the city, <laughs> mate. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much, as you know. It's, um, back in Golden Bay at the moment, mate. I think I drank my fear, my, my fair share <laughs> of the weekend. I probably need to dry it a little bit this week, mate. But no, I really thank you very much. And Thanks for letting me. Uh, thanks for having me on your show, mate. It's much appreciated. Awesome. There he is, Todd Blackadder. I'll tell you a story, lads, about Toddy. Daisy's just walked in. She'll probably hate me saying this, but mm. um, the girls had a little bit of a, a little bit of a crush on Toddy, actually. Did they? They used to, they yeah they used to call him the Silver Fox. Hey, darling. <laughs> Yeah, she's walking out going, yeah, with a bit of excitement in her voice. <laughs> All the partners were fascinated by Toddy, the silver fox. So there you go. I wanted to embarrass him on here, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. But awesome interview, lads. Nicely done, mate. Nicely done. Ah, yeah, Toddy Blackadder. And uh, yeah, Marshy and, um, and Wayne Smith also inducted into that Hall of Fame. Izzy, if, if you had to plump for a fourth, who do you reckon's next? Who's next cab off the rank? Mets. 
Mertz. Andrew Murdens, bro, he'll be uh, he'll be first off the rank, I think. Oh, look, like you said, there'd be, there's so many that could be, but I think the point of difference is is the OGs, the ones that laid this foundation for us today. And you can't look no further than the guys in '96, '97, '98. There's there's a ton of them there. Yeah, 100%. All right, good stuff. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Uh, we are going to come back shortly and give you our Super Rugby Player of the Week, Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Week with DHL. We'll do that next. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. It's 8.26 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. You can call us anytime, 0800 150 or text us on double eight double three. And uh, it is now time for uh, Kempe's Warriors Quality Moment of the Week. Thanks to GrainCorp. GrainCorp feeds your trusted partner for quality dairy feed options. And it starts a little something like this. Here's Reynolds who breaks through half a hole and Reynolds he's got men on the inside and a couple on the outside as well Reynolds with a pass to Ezra Mam and he's going to go on in underneath the sticks and just like that perhaps against the run of play the Broncos have got try number three they do lead 16 points to six on the South Seas Healthcare scoreboard with a kick to come. There you go, Ezra Man getting that try, uh, Kempe. Uh, maybe Tohu uh, let him go because he thought he was one of the pitch invaders. <laughs> it was a, look. It was a, a a position in the game where they were just slowly building, and Adam Reynolds, although Ezra Man was was, uh, was the scorer of that try, it was Adam Reynolds, mate, that put on an absolute clinic on Saturday night. He slowly got into the game be, behind a couple of big. Um, forwards that just laid a platform for him. And then all of a sudden, like as he said early on in the show, he just went from strength to strength and and started to pick this running game up and was going along the line and they just could they were just hanging off him. You gotta remember just before that play he went through when um young uh, uh Piakura, the young boy from New Zealand who's yeah. making his debut, shot into the line and they had to call it back. It was a try that Reynolds scored. But then about five minutes later he went through again and it was just that that moment where I think it captured the game for them and put them just that little bit out of touch um, from the Warriors. And, yep, for me, Adam Reynolds on Friday night gave him the three points um, for player of the match. If you look at his stats, his stats were off the Richter. He was he was so big in that game, and it was a really important one that Sean Johnson matched him. And, unfortunately, for Sean... Uh, Adam Reynolds just he, mate, he was on fire. Yeah, he's, it's class player, man, class player. That is uh, your Warriors quality moment. Thanks to GrainCorp Feeds, your trusted partner for high quality dry and liquid dairy feed options, supplying farmers nationwide. And it's interesting you uh, you said that about uh, you know comparing him and and Sean and how they produce because and I mentioned this last week, but how Stacey Jones is he? Here's here's the modern Stacey Jones is now. I don't think there's another halfback like him in the NRL at the moment. No, well, I'll tell you one thing that Adam Reynolds has got is he's got a real um, complete game because he understands how to manage. So, you know, he doesn't mind just sitting back. Like, he'll let blokes do their job and then put a, a good kicking game. He had a shot at a couple of uh, 40-20s on the weekend. And then when he, he sees teams tire, he's, he just knows when to step up. So he's got that good little kick chase where he brings his... his uh, attacking defenders along with them and, and makes them plenty of those. They had about an eight-metre in goal on the weekend there, um, over there in Hawke's Bay, so they got a couple of repeat sets. But, you know, you're, you're dead right. He's probably the last of the old-school um, halfbacks 
he doesn't mind taking the line on. So he doesn't always play lead runner, sweep out the back. He'll drift across the line and wait, look for a, 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 a lazy defender or a tired defender. And on this stage, like I said, with that set, we, see, we got the privilege of sitting about 20 metres above the ground. So we can see players drifting in and out of the game. He was watching till he get there late and went, he still hadn't got his breath back and just drifted across the line and ended up going around him. You know, and it was just a, a moment in the game where you, you have halfbacks, they do two things. They count numbers, they isolate really um, tired and poor defenders. And in that that occasion, that's why he went through and through that pass to Ezra Man. Yeah, we just had a text come through, actually. Agreed, Kempe Reynolds was the difference. 15 runs for 150 metres versus Johnson's three runs for 13 metres. Nick from Wellington's called up on 0800 150 811. G'day, Nick, how you doing? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Just got a... Just got a Little little thing about the Warriors. I was wondering if, what Kempe thinks. Hmm. Like I'm not early disclaimer. I'm not. I'm not a huge league person, but I've always sort of um, affiliated with the Warriors, being a New Zealander. But I've just found them such a hard team to follow because of how inconsistent they are. And I think like this year they're. Pro- I don't think they're, they're not going to win the comp. And then you know they're probably to be honest, probably touch and go whether they'll make the eight. But they are a good team to support this year because of how consistent. They're so consistent with the way they front up and their effort, and um, even though they lost on the weekend, it was, you know, such a good spectacle in Napier, and it was obvious that the the players were were up to put out a good performance. And I think, you know, to be honest, that's all you want from a team that you support is, you know, consistency of effort and performance. But just that what's holding them back, I think the people have been talking about Reynolds the last little bit, and I think that's the key is they're just lacking one or two really quality players that can just grab the game by the scruff of the neck when they need to. I and mean, you look at all the best NRL teams, and they've all got at least one or two players like that. And I think that's just probably what's holding them back this year. What do you think, Kempe? Yeah, look, I, there was a really um, a good point there on, on Reynolds and, and grabbing the bull by the horns. We knew early on that if the Warriors didn't put him away, that Reynolds would just get better as the game went on, especially as young blokes growing in confidence. And that's how it panned out. And and look, they're, they're a play away from stealing it. Um, and, I, and I hear every supporter in New Zealand, and especially a league supporter, first and foremost is that you put the effort in and you give it everything for 80 minutes. You don't just drop off and get flogged by 40. Uh, and the good thing that um, Andrew Webster's done with this team this year is given that confidence that they're resilient enough to hang in there for 80 minutes. Thanks very much for your call, Nick. Uh, you can call us anytime, 0800 1508 11. couple more texts through, Mark, saying it was Reynolds' best game of the season and someone else saying, Kempe, Warriors still missing a big middle forward to help AFB out. I think, 100%. I think Stacey agreed with us when we uh, had that conversation with him on Friday. It is 28 away from 9 here on SENZ with uh, Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe. Time for the latest in news and sport now. Uh, thanks to Kubota, we are helping building New Zealand, shaping and building New Zealand. Here is Aroha. It is 26 away from 9 o'clock here on ECNZ Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe. Time for our Choices Flooring Poll results. Uh, you can go to the ECN app, click on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast and vote on the poll. Uh, thanks to Choices Flooring Design, visualise and create your perfect floor with room view. Now, what was the biggest win of the weekend, Mark Talia in the Blues? Adam Reynolds and the Baby Broncos, Luton Town's EPL Dream, or Northern Stars making the grand final in the netball. Here's how the votes turned out. 42% have gone for Luton Town's EPL Dream. 31% the Northern Stars making the grand final. 15 Mark Talia and the Blues, and just 10 on Reynolds and the Baby <laughs> really? Broncos. So uh, <laughs> What? 
Yeah, going against uh, going against Tony Kemp and a man I just saw on TV introduced as so rugby least. legend and identity creator Israel Dag. Yeah. So uh, there you go, there you go. Nice, nice spot on AM, brother. Multitasking, <laughs> multitasking. <laughs> Who is this guy? Oh, is Daisy, this guy? Daisy, nope. Daisy, be so happy about that. Learning to multitask. Oh, I'm back. I'm back, boys. I'm back, and there's been a lot going on on the on the airways. And there's plenty to talk about. Did you want to ask me my Super Rugby Pacific Player of the Week? What we could do. Should we do that or should we get to the the one-man party, Paulie Mawadi? Oh, he gets Paul. He's way more. Yeah, get the guitar out, Polly Mawati TAB. Bet live on your favourite sport. Download the TAB app today. Polly Mawati, you know how to do it. <laughs> you get the guitar on MTV. How you going, Polly? What you got? Give me all your odds, if you want it or not. What about those high Miami Heat? Man, they absolutely blew it. <laughs> Are you all right, Paul? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Hey, Paulie, the drugs are, the drugs are still yeah. wearing off. <laughs> oh, can I have some? Oh, <laughs> oh that was first oh. class. Is he not? Oh, oh crikey. <laughs> That's brilliant. Celtics, Paulie, what about the Celtics yesterday getting up and uh, their game against them? If it didn't work out what he was singing to you about, he was asking about Derek White's beater buzzer. Well, buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who's on the drugs now? (laughs) (laughs) It just gets better. <laughs> what what's this identity creator? What, what, what is he? Does he create fake passports and put people in witness protection? What's going on? Oh, come on, pull oh, it together. Oh. Give us some. Right. right, oh boy, that was huge. Um, that put back uh, right on the buzzer to get the Boston Celtics victory in Game Six of that Eastern Conference final series. And so we head tomorrow to Boston for Game 7. And the Celtics, very warm favourites to take that out. Come back from 3-0 down in the series to win. Tomorrow they are thirty and 7.5-point favourites to beat the Miami Heat, who are now out at $3.40. The game totals at 203 um, the early money so far has been with the Celtics. They've got a bit of momentum going. Um, the Miami Heat will look back and I think, oh, just a little bit of boxing out on that final play, and they're through to the uh, NBA Finals. That, that's the one that got away from the Heat, and I don't mentally, I'm not sure how uh, uh, tough the Heat will be and being able to bounce back. All the momentum going with the Celtics at the moment, and the early money is also with the Celtics. So, yep, the boys are taking. The Celtics at a dollar thirty, and they think they might win this one with a fair bit of ease. They're taking minus seven and a half at a dollar ninety. So, if you're a Celtics fan, the early money says 
you're probably going to be facing the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Hey, Paulie, you guys have been, would have been riding the referee, wouldn't you, on that last play of the Warriors? And, and uh, were you laughing all the way to the bank when they got penalised then, Pompey? Oh, no, we weren't laughing, but um, it certainly swung things back uh, our favour. There was a lot of support for the Warriors uh, to win a Napier against those uh, baby Broncos. Uh, but they just... Look, if you take the referee out of it... the I think if the Warriors look at that game, the, they didn't play their best, to be fair. Um, but they managed to keep themselves in the game and they had an opportunity to tie it up and maybe uh, win it on the final kick of the game or take it to Golden Point. That didn't happen in the end. Um, so they've just got to start planning for this weekend coming. So, yeah, plenty of support for them in terms of um, the head-to-head market and also in that winning team and margin market as well. There's a a lot of cash that went the Warriors' way. Um, so the Broncos, the baby Broncos did us a wee bit of a favour, to be fair. Yeah, good stuff, Paulie, mate. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and putting up with that serenade. Uh, much appreciated, <laughs> brother. On, just what you needed on your Monday morning. Uh, watch your bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Got to get away, because up next, the monster, Monty Beatham, joins us. For rapid immune support, try Go Healthy Verdefin's Rapid Release 30s from Chemist Warehouse, only $16.49. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It's a quarter to nine here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Joining us on the phone now is uh, absolute Warriors legend, whether he had the nine or the 13 on his back. He went hard all the time, and then he switched that out for some gloves and went pretty hard in the old squared circle as well. Monty Beatham joins us. How you doing, Monts? Good morning, brothers. Very good, thanks. It's a story, mate. That's a story. I understand that you had to uh, play bouncer at your own box in Hawke's Bay and see a, see a few off, mate. What's going on there? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Kempe's fault. I think it was the easy his box next door. Um, they had all these fans coming in, bro. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a guy that kept coming in and taking liberties and thinking that he could just uh, interrupt um, the people when they're in their privileged work of um, commentating the game and got enough at the end and said, "Hey, look, buddy, you got to beat it, man." <laughs> Mate, well, we're talking about beat it. I thought. Uh... When Adam Pomish stepped around his centre and, and put Montoya away down the corner that we got it. How did you see the game on the on the weekend once? I thought the ruck was really messy. The referee didn't control it. Uh he missed a he missed a lot once again. And and of course the Warriors, when they couldn't get those tries, uh when well, they couldn't get those four tries that were disallowed, it it really became an arm wrestle. Yeah. Uh Kemp, I'm not going to talk about the referees um, because I've done enough about that. But uh, you were right, uh, very uh, right in what you're saying about the referees. I think the case once again got to them. But, um, you know, what, what a spectacle it could have been. Um, but it was a shame. You know, I, I made reference to it on my, on my call that that corner down there, um, in the right-hand corner when the boys were going down in the first half became the black hole. They just couldn't score down there. Um, but that's, mm. you know, also due to some absolute brilliance from uh, the Broncos. Tristan Saylor was an unreal in what he did for that team and there's a number of times that they weren't able to score you know I think if they had the opportunity to play that you know another 10 times they'd probably score another nine times out of 10 Uh, but in saying that you can't take away from Brisbane and what they did you know this baby Broncos side they came in they played well the Warriors not taking those opportunities early on probably hurt them because you know like um, as they said after the game that we came in they said we actually had the better run meters we had the better better kick meters Uh, there was a lot of stuff there that meant that we should have uh, been in a situation when they could have won that game quite comfortably he was uh, very firm but very um, composed and uh, right on in terms of what he was mentioning throughout that match 
defensively, Monts. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about defence this year. It's been a hell of a lot of change this year in terms of the way that they've been defending and, and going about things. But leaking 26 points, what can you put that down to, mate? Were they just spit off in the defence area? Yeah, I think when you make mistakes and what they've done previously is they turn up and they defend those mistakes and they didn't do that like they have previously. Uh, you know, there's one time when Adam Reynolds was going across the field. There's another time when Adam Reynolds yeah. was going across the field and you've got to go get him. You can't let him just drift too across the field time. because it's mm. too, much, too much time, too much havoc uh, with that ball in hand. Um, even though he's got the, the old legs, he, he, he looked like he turned back the clock a few times and then, of course, he, <laughs> he went through two of our senior players as well and Torhu Harris and... Um, uh, Sean Johnson at one stage. So, you know, it's it's something that the boys have been very proud of throughout the year, is turning up and defending whatever mistakes that they make. But, um, you know, I think uh, they'll be the first to agree that they, they didn't have that same sort of tenacity or resilience that we've seen uh, in, in past years or past games. Monty, Mon, it'd be good to get your opinion because it's a, it's a hot topic at the moment, the amount of people running onto the football field when rugby league is trying to establish itself um, with the Warriors in and around the regions, what were your thoughts? You know, like one, one you can laugh, but twelve of them, really? Oh, it can be it's ridiculous, man. First of all, I want to commend uh, Nelson and um, not Nelson Napier and, and the people down there in Hawke's Bay for turning out, um, really coming to the captain's run, coming to the game, and the buzz around town was sensational, man. I need to be ruined by these twelve people. Now, they might not be from the same region; they may be from all over uh, the Motu, no doubt about that. But what it does is. from um, the NRL and, and legends over there on the other side of the ditch saying that this means that there may not be a game down there again. You know, two games, um, NRL games in the history of, of the stadium down there is not good enough. You want to have more. Uh, but, you know, about putting your best foot forward, this doesn't help. But then other people sort of don't realise that Sky, when they're running their broadcast, um, they had to cut away at a certain stage to go to the next game. So that was proving problems as well, as well as the players on the field. And they're trying to do what they need to do uh, because, you know, it's an important two points. And when you think about the Warriors, even Brisbane, uh, where they'll finish in the eight later on, it's it's like, you know, two points is really crucial. So when you come on, when you disturb the flow of the game, um, that, that can make a difference as well. But, Kibbe, I think the way to do it is you, you let them know that there is a $5,000 fine if that's the case. And you tell them on the, um, over the PA and you tell them, let them know on the screen. And then, you know what? You find them. It's as simple as that. Mont's... Uh... Young Luke Metcalf, what were your what were your thoughts about his performance? First one back. Yeah, look, um, he was okay. He was good. He was trying. He was, he was trying to get in, and we know that his running game is, is is what he does really well. He's electric and he's got that speed. It's a shame that the boys didn't have the shape that they normally have. Um, you know, obviously with Dylan Walker not being there, he's a, a big man in the field as well as Tohu playing off him. Um, there were a lot more one out this time than what we've seen in, in previous weeks, um, and they probably didn't shift when they should have. When um, you know we had the, the Broncos compressing up, because I thought off the normal shape that the boys had, mm. and you're getting Luke in behind that, his speed would have been a telling factor, and also coming off uh, Sean Johnson, which we didn't see quite a lot of. But he was trying. Uh, but you know, first game back in a very long time, uh, he just needs more uh, time in the saddle. Monty, before we let you go, mate, we're about halfway through the season now. Pretty give it, give or take a couple of buys. The Warriors currently sit in eighth. Do they make the playoffs? Oh, look, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. We know how tight it is. Um, I know they're they're fighting to win as many games as they can. Uh, there is talk of the playoffs there. Obviously, they know that that's what every player wants to do. They want to play in that. But you know, 
you just got to win every game as you go. And the, the Broncos uh, was the opportunity to win that. But in saying that, you know, they had some mm. key players out. But we also had Mitchell Barnett, Wade Egan, uh, Ed Corsi, Tamari Martinez, Tavanga, uh, Walker, Willie Army as well. But you've got to make those mm. those those chances like that opportunities a win. Um, so it makes it harder when you when you don't pick those games up. Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. Hopefully, we'll have a bloke called RTS wearing Oro's jersey before the end of the season as well, Mike. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? How <laughs> oh, good, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your time, bro. Uh, Cheers, really Mons. appreciate it. Go well. Thanks, boys. Yes, uh, Izzy Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. It is eight away from nine. When we come back, we'll catch up with uh, Smithy and see what's coming up between nine and twelve.